Jesus. Have your way, Lord Jesus. Have thine own way, Lord Jesus. Have your way, Lord Jesus. Not my will, Lord Jesus. Not my will, Lord Jesus. Not my will, Lord Jesus. Not our will, Lord Jesus. But your perfect will be done, Lord Jesus. There is only one perfect will, O oh God. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus, you're wonderful and you're mighty. You're holy and you're magnificent, O oh God. Oh, you've given every one of us breath and life and health in our bodies today, Lord. And we so need to honor you right now, Lord Jesus. We so need to worship you right now and be thankful unto you and to bless your name right now, Lord Jesus. Your ways are perfect, O oh God. Hallelujah. They are past finding out. Hallelujah, Lord. Eyes have not seen and ears have not heard, Lord. Neither has it entered into the hearts of men the things that you have prepared for them that love you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, every one of his disciples loved him. Every one of his disciples that served him, they loved him. Amen. And he had something for every one of them that loved him. He had a life set out according to his plan for them to serve and to love him and to suffer persecution for his namesake. And, and all manner of things happened to these men that loved him. Eyes have not seen truly and ears have not heard and it's not even entered into our hearts yet the things that God has prepared for us. He had those things prepared for Paul, for Peter, for Stephen. God already knew Stephen was only going, to go, only going to preach one message and that he was going to be taken out of this world. God's got some things prepared for us. The question is, are we ready? Are we even trying to be ready? Are we even thinking about it? Or are we just going through our day? I'll handle it when it gets here. How do you know that? You don't know that. I don't know that. I don't know what's coming. So how can I possibly know how I'm going to handle it if I don't even know what's coming? <laughs> Hallelujah. God is so good to us. He's so mighty. Amen. Amen. I'm so thankful for the things of God, for the, the plan and purpose and will of God in my life. Amen. He has us right where he wants us, folks. And that, that, that meaning of that can just go in all kinds of different directions, physically and otherwise. He has us. I want, I want him to have me right where he wants me. I don't want to be outside the will of God. We don't want to be outside the will of God. We may not end up in a whale, but I don't want to be outside the will of God. Because you know what? God has a way of getting our attention. Amen. We're going to...
We're going to talk a little bit tonight about that. Amen. It's so glad to to be here. So glad to have everyone here, everyone online, and and so glad to be a, a, in the presence of Almighty God. Amen. Hebrews chapter three, starting in verse one. Hebrews chapter three. Reading starting in verse 1. I'll give you a minute if you have a Bible to get there on your app or on your paper Bible or whatever. Amen. Everybody there? It says, Wherefore, holy brethren. So who is this? Who's the writer of Hebrews writing to? Who's the Hebrew? Who's the writer of Hebrews writing to? The church, the Hebrew church, right? Who did all of the disciples write all of the epistles to? To the churches in people's houses. He wrote to the church at large. Why was it so important? Why was it so necessary for the disciples, for for the Holy Ghost to to put it in their heart to write these letters to these churches? Why, Why was that necessary? To instruct them, to challenge them, maybe to come down on them a little bit. Sometimes Paul wrote, it's probably a good thing I'm not there. Because what I'm writing sounds hard. You imagine if I was standing right there in front of you. And I'm paraphrasing, but that's essentially what he said. Be thankful I'm just writing it to you in a letter. So it wasn't just to instruct them, what is the Word of God good for? Correction, instruction, what else? Reproof. Who likes being reproved? Who likes being called into the boss's office and and being read the riot act and called on the carpet by the first sergeant? Who likes that? Nobody. I don't know about you, but I've been through that a few times because I'm not perfect. And I don't like it. But you know what's good about that? It's necessary. And usually they're trying to do all they can to keep you around. They're just trying to help you by sort of getting all up in your grill and saying, this is not how we want you to do this. This is how we want you to do this. We like having you here, and we want you to stay. So here's some a counseling form. Here's whatever it is. Take this, and, and then they step back, and they let you run with it. And they watch, and they see if you're going to do what you ask, they ask you to do. And if you have wisdom, you're going to do what they ask you to do. That's all the disciples were doing. That's all Paul was doing when he wrote this letter. He was trying to tell the church, I'm not going to be around forever. Peter's not going to be around forever. So he was trying to leave them something that they could, that would get them down the road because somebody else was going to have to take the baton when they were gone. And so that's who he's talking to here. All these epistles, if you read them, they start out with words just like this. Wherefore, holy brethren... The people in the church, not sinners, not not unsaved people, people in the church. Partakers of the heavenly calling. 
Amen. I'm one of them. Consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses. Who is he talking about? Jesus. Insomuch that he who had builded the house hath more honor than the house. Selah. Think on that for a minute. <laughs> for every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. But Christ has a son over his own house, whose house are we, if we if we're his house, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm until the end. We gotta hold fast to this thing. We gotta hang on to this thing for dear life if necessary. We gotta hang on to it because there's gonna be some stuff come along that's gonna shake your very foundation and maybe even cause you to to, to let loose of it. We're going to find that out. That's where he's going here. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Harden not your hearts. As in the provocation, in the day of temptation, in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works 40 years. Talking about Israel in the desert, isn't it? Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said, they do always err in their heart. Those humans, that humanity out there that he chose and called his own, they do always. Not they do sometimes. They do always err in their heart. And they not, have not known my ways. They thought they knew but they must not have because a whole bunch of them died in the wilderness. They thought they knew, but maybe they didn't. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed. You see those words, take heed. It's like Jesus saying, verily, verily. Pay attention to what's being said. What's, what I'm going to say next is really important. That word, those words take heed mean to beware. That means to discern clearly. Be on guard against, to be cautious of. Beware. Brethren, talking to us, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Brother DeMuth, say it's not so. I'm sorry, I can't. Because the Word says it is. There could be in any one of us in this room the potential for there to be an evil heart of unbelief. It could just be so subtle that you don't even realize that you're having unbelief in your life. It's the little, what does the Bible say? It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little stuff that you don't pay a whole lot of attention to. 
So I, um, I already said that. Okay. But exhort one another, verse 13, daily while it is called today. Don't worry about yesterday. Don't worry about tomorrow. Daily. Today. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are part, made partakers of Christ if, there's that word if again, we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. There he goes repeating himself. Must be important if he's repeating himself. In this letter that he wrote to the church that he loved, whoever the writer, I believe it was Paul, others believe it was somebody else, doesn't matter really, does it? God knows who wrote it. The Holy Ghost wrote it. Hallelujah. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, there he goes repeating that again. And he's quoting that out of the Old Testament. Harden not your hearts as in the provocation. When did they provoke? They provoked God in the wilderness. They, he told them what to do and how to do it, and yet they still went their own way. Well, I know what you said, God, but I think what you mean is this, is what they were doing. So tonight we're going to talk about beware of unbelief. Beware of unbelief. Beware of unbelief. He said they, they do always err in their heart. We're just human, folks. We, we're going to err in our heart. We can't help it. As much Holy Ghost as each one of us have, and we all have the same amount, we're still going to err in our hearts. Jeremiah 17 and 9 says, The heart, speaking of all humanity, is deceitful or insidious above all things. That's your heart, my heart. Our hearts are deceitful. Above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Who can know their, who in this room knows their own heart? You don't. You think you do. But what you don't know is that the right thing, if the right circumstances were to come along, it would just set whatever that is that's in you off. We don't know what's in our heart. And we, we think we do, but we don't because the Bible says we don't. Desperately sick condition of the human heart that only God knows. That's that desperately wicked part. God knows our heart, doesn't he? He knows what's in you. And you don't even know what's in you. I want to believe I do. Don't you? I want to believe I know what's in my heart. As far as I know right now, I believe I know what's in my heart. But I don't know the hidden things in there that, that haven't even come up yet. I mean, look what happened to Job when all, all hell broke loose in his life. He was saying stuff that he probably thought he would never say. And then he got called on the carpet by God. <laughs> Stand up like a man, Job. Where were you? Point A, point B, point C, point D, point E, point F, and so on and so on. Folks, we don't know our own heart. 
Matthew 16, 6 says, Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware. Here's Jesus using those same words. Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, in that little story right there, what did the disciples think he was talking about? Bread. And so he had to explain it to them. What's the leaven of the scribes and the Pharisees? Or the Pharisees and Sadducees? The doctrine that they taught. The Jewish religious and Judaistic religious traditions that they taught and tried to push on everybody. And did, they, did that continue after Jesus died on the cross? Oh, yes, it did. Absolutely. Right up until the point where this letter was written to the church of the Hebrews. Why do you think he wrote the letter? This stuff was still going on. That's In that verse 13, it said, Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Hardened means to make hard or, or stiff, to make obdurate. I never heard that word before. In the New Testament, applied only figuratively to the heart and the mind. That word obdurate means stubbornly refusing to change one's opinion or course of action. Hardened in opposition to. Would that be a dangerous place to be in? To stubbornly refuse to change your opinion or course of action of, of what God is trying to tell you to do in your life? To harden yourself in opposition to it? Sadly, that is something that is taking place in the lives of apostolic Christians every day. And it's going to get worse. Through the deceitfulness or the delusion of sin. Does the enemy know that we have a human tendency to fall short, to make mistakes, to mess up? Does he know that? Does our enemy know that? Of course he does. Does that does it the fact that we have the Holy Ghost stop him from coming after us and trying his best to get us to sin and to fall short even just a little bit? He's constantly on our case, even more than now than when before when we didn't when we weren't walking with God. He had us then. <laughs> he didn't have to worry. He'd just throw a little thing every now and then. He had us out there doing whatever we were doing. But when we turned away from all of that and we put him in our rearview mirror and we said, I'm going to serve the living and one true God, he got a little upset. Trophies of hell. He wants to make you a trophy of hell. He wants to put you on his trophy wall. He's not satisfied with just leaving you alone and saying, man, I lost another one. That's not how it works. That is not how it works. Hebrews three twelve through 15, and Weiss expanded translation says this. Take heed, beware, discern clearly, constantly, brethren, lest there be in any of you, lest there be in any of you a, a heart perniciously evil and with unbelief and understanding aloof and standing aloof from the living God. 
but be constantly exhorting one another daily so long as the aforementioned today is being announced, lest any of you be hardened through the stratagem of this sin. This, what, what is this sin? That's more of the literal Greek. What sin is he talking about? That's exactly right. The sin of unbelief. You mean I can be apostolic and have unbelief? Oh, yeah. You absolutely can. Well, I don't believe that, what the pastor's saying. I, don't, I just choose not to believe that. Because my brother over there at that other church don't believe it and nothing happened to him. Does that happen? Oh, yeah, it does. Do we pick and choose what we decide we're going to believe and not believe? To our own peril. Is the word of God true? Is it the truth? The way? The only way? Are we allowed to just throw out parts that we don't like? No. But we do it. Yeah, but that's not how we do it now. In this modern day we live in. See, I know what the, I know the this is a dangerous statement to make. I know the Bible says that, but <laughs> I know what the Bible says, but <laughs> be careful. <laughs> there was an old preacher that preached a message one time. Everybody has a butt. And that's what he was talking about. B-U-T. But. Yeah, I know, God, but. Got to be careful. Israel, God's chosen people. He set them apart from everybody else, and he chose them. How awesome is that? He set you apart and chose you. How awesome is that? And what did they do? <laughs> they rebelled. As soon as they got out of the desert, crossed that Red Sea, and, and then what did they do? They started mumbling and complaining. God forbid that our prayers become nothing but complaining to God. God forbid. He was feeding them. He was protecting them. He was putting his, his cloud over them by day and his fire by night. And he was feeding them manna and he was doing all this stuff. And yet they still complained. we got to beware of unbelief. If that same spirit, what, what was he saying in the book of Hebrews? If that same spirit, why did he go and mention that about Israel in the desert? Because what he was telling them is that same spirit can be alive and well today among you, the believers of the, in the Almighty God. And apparently it must have been. Because he wouldn't have wrote that letter if there wasn't already a problem. You go back and read all those epistles, they're already addressing a problem that was already going on in those churches. I know that among you there's fornication and all kinds of stuff they said like that. And I partially believe it. So if the Holy Ghost told men to write that to that church in that day and to Israel, he's referring to Israel, that spirit is still present because the enemy's not gone off this earth. 
He's still the God of this world, the Bible says. So what did God do when they rebelled? He nipped it in the bud, right? He got, he got right down to business. And he did it for their own sake, didn't he? And we know that all things work together for good. For whose good? For God's good. <laughs> to them that love God or them who are called according to his purpose. God's gonna, his purpose is going to stand above everything. His plan and purpose and will is going to stand. And he's going to help you just like he helped Job, just like he helped Joseph. Let him sit in rotten prison for 12 years or however long it was until he got his head right so that he could elevate and then elevate him to a position of authority and he wouldn't take it out of context. He would handle it well. So if God did that for people that he loved, he'll do that in your life and mine. He'll let us go through some stuff. And we need to, we need to wake up and realize when we're going through stuff, all hell's breaking loose in our life. We need to start going, wait a minute. Like like yesterday. I'm, I mean, I'm, I didn't really prepare this. The Lord kind of gave me this. I just put a bunch of scriptures here. <laughs> I'm trying to pray and think about it. And yesterday, all, it seemed like all hell broke loose at my job. <laughs> I found myself walking down the hallway grumbling about it. I did. And the Lord said, really? <laughs> I'm like, I stopped. I went, ooh. What? I said, the enemy doesn't want me to talk about this. And I prayed, and guess what? It didn't stop. <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> Unless you kill me, you're not stopping me. <laughs> And so God's going to do that for us. 1 Samuel 15, 23 says, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is, in, is as iniquity and idolatry. Idolatry is idol worship. Can we worship ourselves? How smart we are? How good-looking we are. How talented we are. Can we become an idol to ourselves? Of course we can. Iniquity. The Bible says of Satan, when he, I believe it's in Jeremiah, he said, till iniquity was found in him. What was, what was the iniquity that, Satan, that Lucifer had? He wanted to be God. He didn't want to do things God's way. He wanted to do things his way. So that's what iniquity is. I don't want to do things your way, God. I want to do things my way. See where that got him? <laughs> he's done. He's down here trying to get us to do that, right? Isn't that what he's doing? Trying to get us to turn on God. He was alive and well then in the, in the wilderness. He's doing it then. He's doing it now. 
So these Hebrew believers had most likely already suffered great amounts of persecution, not only from the Romans, but from the, the other Jews that weren't converted to Christianity. They were constantly being hammered about, why aren't you doing this? And why aren't you circumcising? And why aren't you following the law and all this stuff? And they were constantly being not just verbally abused, but probably physically abused. And the Romans didn't like them at all. So they just had abuse upon abuse upon abuse upon persecution on top of, on top of, on top of. And I believe that's why this letter was written, because somebody saw that there were some things going on that they needed to kind of nip in the bud a little bit. Do you think some of those people that were persecuted, some of them just threw their hands up in the air and said, fine, I can't deal with this anymore. You think that's true? I would I would bet that it's true. You think there were some on the fence watching the ones that walked away? There were probably people in every you know point in that because the persecution didn't stop. It just it was every day. I can't imagine it. Can you? I can't. Not like that. Just constantly hammered and badgered and beat on and verbally and otherwise every day. It would provoke some people that aren't fully committed. Remember we read that? We got to hold fast to that confidence that we had from the beginning. Some of them couldn't hold fast anymore or wouldn't. They just didn't feel like it was worth it. And when the persecution comes to the church today, there's going to be some that are going to recant. I'm telling you right now, there's going to be some that are going to recant. Some shall depart from the faith. That's what the book says. Giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. If it's not a doctrine of Jesus Christ, it's a doctrine of the devil. I don't care what church it is. I don't want to be one of those people. And I don't know what's coming. And no, neither do you. But we, we've got to make up our mind right now. I'm not moving. I don't know what I'm going to do if they, if they put my wife down on the ground in front of me on her knees and threaten to kill her if I don't recant. I don't know what I'm going to do. Honestly, I don't. I know what I think I'm going to say. But I can't really say what I would actually do in that situation. But what if that comes? What am I going to do? I'm, I'm going to have to make a decision right then and there. And so are you. It's coming. Just renounce your Christianity and everything will be all right. If you'll just renounce your Christianity, we'll give you some food. We'll turn your water back on. We'll turn your heat and lights back on. We'll give you a check. That's what they'll say. Just renounce your Christianity. Easy, right? It's coming. <clears throat> Hebrews 3, 16 through 19 goes on to say, For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of the Egypt by Moses, but with whom was he grieved 
40 years was not with them that was it not with them that sinned whose carcasses fell in the wilderness and to whom swore he that he should they should not enter his rest but to them that believed not beware of unbelief he's writing this letter to the the hebrew church because there apparently is unbelief see I'm excuse me. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. I don't want any spirit of unbelief, even a little bit, to be the cause for me to miss out with God. And this same writer addressed this apparent condition that he saw as a problem in the Hebrew church. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 5, verse 11 and 12, he says, Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. Some hard sayings to the church. We don't know what tone of voice was being used in the letter. But it was pretty sharp, I would have guessed. You people are dull of hearing. For when, for the time, or by now, you ought to be teachers. By now, you should be teachers. You have need that one teach you again. Which be the first principles of the oracles of God and are, and are become. Underline those words, and are become. Meaning they, they were something else before. And now they have become something different. And the way I read that is that they they believed very strongly before, but something has happened. And they've become something else, such as have need of milk and not strong meat. They lost something along the way. They were once at a high level in, in, a, in a powerful walk with God. And over time, over the persecution, over all the things that were happening, they began to dwindle and dwindle. And they quit studying their, their word. And they quit praying. And they quit doing all these things. And they started letting up and letting go and letting down. And it was a slippery slope. It didn't just happen like, like that. It was a slippery slope. You don't even realize it. That you're doing it. A little bit of compromise here today, a little bit tomorrow, a little bit more the next day. You don't even feel like you're going downhill. It's so slight. And some may have already begun to depart, as I already said. And I'm sure it wasn't a problem with the Hebrew church only. Because those, as I already said, those other letters were being written to those other churches because they were having problems with their flesh and these men that were writing these letters were doing everything they could to, to warn them what's the bible say if you warn the wicked and he doesn't listen to you their blood's on their hands but if i send you to warn somebody and you don't warn them their blood's on your hands so these men were just writing what they were told to write and let the chips fall where they may. James 1, 22 to 26. 
speaking to believers and apostolics once again. But ye, but be ye doers of the word. Doers of the word. And not hearers only. This is the scary part right here. Deceiving your own selves. Now let's just think about that for a minute. If you're in the midst of self-deception, how do you know? How do you know? If you're already deceived and you're self-deceived, do you even realize or know that you're deceived and you're self-deceived? You might not. You might think you're okay. And in most cases, that's that's the case. You think you're fine. When I came out of the Catholic Church, I thought I was fine. I was self-deceived. I had I believed that what I had was good enough. Until I found out it wasn't. It wasn't by a long shot. Not to diminish, not to not to I thank God for that upbringing. I thank God for the roots and the foundation that he put in me in that. At least I believed there was a God and I believed the words that were in the book. To some extent, so God used that and drew me from that. So I'm not I'm not diminishing what the Catholic Church and my experience with that at all. Because there's some people out there that need this. Deceiving your own selves. It's like putting food in your mouth, but not chewing it or swallowing it. Not digesting it being doers of the word and not hearers only. What good is the word if you just stick a piece of it in your mouth and it just sits there? You don't chew it up and digest it and let it become a part of who you are. That's what a doer is. Put it in application. Put it, put it to work in your life. It's not going to be easy because some stuff in the word is going to challenge you in ways that, that that it's there for to challenge you. We gotta chew on it. We gotta study it. Study to show yourself approved unto God, not to men, not to anybody else. A workman that not needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You better know how to rightly divide this. And you don't wait till you come in here. I I don't know it all. But you need to know it. That's what happened to the Hebrew church. They started just kind of letting down their guard and just, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. Ah, you know, I really don't feel like praying. I prayed yesterday, so I'll just I'll pray another day this week. They just started slowly letting down their guard until they found themselves in a place where they needed milk again instead of strong meat. I think I said this before. I love a good milkshake. We're on Weight Watchers now, so I don't get to eat a lot of those. <laughs> but believe you me, when I hit some, when I hit some key weights that I'm losing, when I get down to a certain point, I'm celebrating with a milkshake. Count on it. Milkshakes are great, but you can't live on that, on that mushy stuff. We need meat. If you're a vegan or vegetarian, God bless you. 
But I need meat. I need something in my stomach. I need some sustenance. I need some vitamins and minerals and nutrients in my body. And it's not going to get there if I just stick it in my mouth and don't chew on it. It's got to get down in here where your body can process it and use it for what it's intended for. The word's the same way. That just blows me away when, when, when the Lord told him to take that roll and eat it. Take the book and eat it. Man, eat it. 20, verse 23, For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass or in a mirror. You walk up to the mirror in the morning and you look at yourself and go, there you are. That ugly mug in the morning, right? For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way. You look at yourself, you see yourself, you go, that, that's me. And you turn around and walk away and you forget what you even look like. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Verse 26, if any among you seem to be religious, exercising ceremonial formality and going through the motions, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, Beware of unbelief, folks. This man's religion is vain. It's empty. It's fruitless. It's like a house built on sand. Good luck with that. James 1, 22 through 26 in the Amplified Classic says this, But be ye doers of the word, obey the message. And not merely listeners to it, betraying yourselves into deception by reasoning contrary to the truth. For if anyone only listens to the word without obeying it and being a doer of it, he is like a man who looks carefully at his own natural face in a mirror, for he thoughtfully observes himself and then goes off and promptly forgets what he was like. But he who looks carefully into the faultless law, the law of liberty, and is faithful to it and preserves in perseveres in looking into it, being not a heedless listener who forgets but an active doer who obeys, he shall be blessed in his doing his life of obedience. If anyone thinks himself to be religious, piously observant of the external duties of, of his faith, doing all the do's, I added this part, doing all the do's and not doing all the don'ts, and not does not bridle his tongue but deludes his own heart, this person's religious service is worthless. Futile and barren. Folks, I don't know about you, but I don't want my worship to be vain and useless before the Lord. Can you imagine coming to the realization that all of your worship didn't amount to a hill of beans, didn't amount to anything because of some spirit of unbelief in your life? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine not knowing that? I would want to know that. Wouldn't you? First Corinthians ten, eleven through thirteen says, Now all these things happened unto them for examples. And they are written for our admonition. They're written for our admonition. Pay attention. 
upon whom the ends of the world are come. Is that us? We are the ones upon whom the ends of the world are come, aren't we? Isn't the rapture like right there? Can't you feel it in the air sometimes? It's right there. It's, it's upon us, folks. They're already talking about the World Economic Forum's already talking about nobody will own anything and nobody will know, own a car or a house and you'll be happy and you'll like it. That's coming. They want to do that by 2030. <laughs> Six years away. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But if God is faithful, but God is faithful, who shall not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able? He's going to let you be tempted. He's not going to let you suffer to be tempted above you're able. But he said, it never said he's not going to let you be tempted, did it? He's going to let you be tempted. He's going to let me be tempted. He's going to let me experience that. He's going to let me feel that and see what I'm going to do with it. Am I going to buy off on what the temptation is and say, hey, that sounds pretty good. Only for, only for a minute. Yeah, well, let's go do that. Just, we'll just look at it for a minute. That's what he, he, It's subtle stuff. It's not up in your grill in your face. Just, just, just step away for just a second and just go do this just for a second. What's it going to hurt? That's kind of how he talks to me. And I'm like, no. The Lord's already delivered me of that. Go away. Leave me alone. A lot of that's said in here. I don't say it out loud, but that's, that's what goes on. But will with the temptation... He will, with the temptation that he allows in your life, make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Don't you want to be gold tried in the fire? I do. I want to be tried in the fire. I want to be purified like gold before he comes to get me. And he's going to be the one to orchestrate that. You know, we take up our cross daily and follow him, right? Jesus could not crucify himself. Think about it. He could have got three-fourths of the way there. If he'd have crucified himself, right? Who's going to hammer the other hand in? Right? Somebody had to do the crucifying. It wasn't Jesus. So when it comes to us bearing our cross daily, who's the one sending the agents of crucifixion into our life? Him. He knows what I need. To get me to walk right. He knows what things to allow in my life. Why do you think. (laughs) You know the Lord allowed. There to be seven years of famine. When Joseph was in. In charge. And he allowed Israel to go through that. He allowed Israel to go through all kinds of stuff. He allowed there to be something called COVID-19. He allowed that. I believe that. God, nothing happens in this world without him allowing it. And why did he allow that? Now, I believe, I feel like he allowed that because he did that for the church. He did that for us to wake us up out of our slumber and out of our sleep, out of our, our stupor that we were in. He 
He was trying to get our attention. We were so bent on our, our, our same way of doing things all the time, he was trying to shake things up a little bit. And there's people that are having online ministries to this day that started during COVID that are still doing it today, three years later. And they're reaching people around the world. Just because they couldn't get to the church building, they said, well, I'm going to minister online, and they're still doing it. Is God using that to reach the world? Absolutely he is. doesn't mean that the missionaries aren't doing it. But God's going to allow things to happen and come in our life. And if the church, I mean, he said, you shall suffer persecution. Didn't he say that? He said that. For my name's sake. All who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So you're not getting out of it. We're not getting out of it. It's designed for our good. Revelation three fifteen through 19 says, I know thy works. Talking to the church, isn't he? First three chapters of Revelation. <laughs> that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, you tell yourself, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. I don't need anything from God. I got this. And no, it's not. You don't even know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Can you imagine not knowing that? I mean, there's probably some people in nursing homes that are like that, that are in memory care, that, that don't realize that they don't, they don't know if they are or they aren't. Do you follow what I'm saying? I'm not diminishing that. I'm just saying that. Can you imagine having that feeling of, of not even knowing? I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white, uh, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed. If you want to be rich, come to me. If you want to be clothed, come to me. And that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. He's interested in covering us. Is he not? And anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. See what? See, you got to see through the fog and through the mist and through all the mess to see what really this thing is all about, is what he's trying to tell them. Pay attention. Wake up. Beware. Open your eyes. He had to do that with the disciples. He had to open their eyes so many times to give them understanding about simple parables. About the soil and all those things. And I'm not afraid to ask God, what do you mean by this? Sometimes he's waiting for us to ask. Because <laughs> I want to understand when I hear Revelation I don't want to just say, well, that's cool. That's revelation, man. I just, that is so awesome. And then I don't do anything with that. I got to go study that. I got to go find that for myself and make that something that, that sticks in me. 
Verse 19 says, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Why is he telling the church to repent? Because we need it. We're, I need... I, Sometimes I just, I don't mean to, but I just let my flesh get, rise up a little bit. And I, when I realize that I've done that, I have to immediately stop what I'm doing and say, God, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. Forgive me. It's going to happen. Peter made a terrible mistake. Terrible mistake. Denying the Lord Jesus Christ when he said he would never do it. And what did he do? He went and repented. And I'm going to close with this scripture. Psalms 139, verse 23 and 24. This needs to be our prayer every day. Every minute of every day. Search me, O God. Because you're the only one that can. I can't know what you're thinking by looking at you. you I can't. He can't know what he's thinking. We can't. You could. You could be a, a person that reads body language, and you can determine some things, but you can't know what somebody's thinking. But God knows everything you're thinking right now. Right now, He knows everything we're thinking. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Who else better to, to, do, to ask to do that than our loving Father? And see if there be any wicked way in me. That's an easy scripture to, to speak, but it's a really hard one to have to live up to because what if you pray that and he actually starts showing you some stuff that's in you that's wicked? Because you just asked him to do it. We don't want to pray that prayer sometimes because we don't want to know. I think I'm good, God. I'll, I'll, I'll leave that part out. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And don't just lead me there, God. But lead me in the way everlasting. Help me to see where I, where I need to, to get put some attention and help me to get Get over that hump so I can go on with you to the way everlasting. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. Let's all stand. If you want to receive this as a warning, it's I'm just here to deliver what he told me to say. I had no idea, other than the scriptures that were in here and a few little notes I put in here, I had no idea what the Lord was going to say. So whatever he said, he knows where you are. He knows where you've been reading today. He knows everything about your life right now. So he's been saying something to some people in this room. But the one thing that, that in the book of Revelations, chapter 1, through 1 2, and 3, what, is this, what does it say in every one of those, those chapters when he's talking to the churches? He said, He that hath ears... To hear, let him hear. And so I'm going to say that to you tonight.
This is for me too. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Beware of unbelief. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my ways. And see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, what an awesome opportunity it was and is to be a part of your kingdom, Lord Jesus. To be a vessel that is used for your glory, Lord Jesus. I pray over the minds and the hearts and the souls of the people that are within the sound of my voice, Lord, that they have received what you've said tonight. Lord, that it has found a place of good soil to settle in, O God. And let that thing, O God, that has been spoken and that's been heard by their spirit, let it stay in that place. Don't let the enemy come and take it away. But, God, let it find good soil and good ground, O God. Let it be nurtured. Lord, let it be chewed upon. Let it be swallowed. Let it be received, O God, according to your perfect will. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this opportunity to minister to your people, your church, O God, your sheep, your pasture, Lord Jesus. I thank you for the people of God, and I pray your blessing upon each one. Father, as we go from this place, in Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, sir. Uh, Just really quick, uh, Brother Shepard has requested prayer tonight. Uh, So if you could come up, he needs a healing.